this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, here we are in this season of Lent. We've entered into a couple of weeks of it. Uh, Lent is a period of 40 days before Easter, not including Sundays, but it's a time when a lot of people give up stuff whether it's chocolate, alcohol, doing their homework, whatever it's going to be. That's not really what Lent is about. Lent is really a time for people to look inwardly into their own life. And many people within the church use it as a season to examine their life, to see are there things that they need to change in their life, things that would be more pleasing to God, things that would be uh, destructive in their own life that they need to get rid of. And for some people, this is a season when they focus on the concept of confession. Confessing to God who they are, their failures, their shortcomings, but also who they would love to become. And as I was thinking about this, a question came to my mind, and the question is this. How good does a person have to be to be able to be in the presence of Almighty God? In other words, how good do I have to be to stand before God one day when we shall all see him face to face? I was thinking about this as many people uh, this coming week have been traveling. It's the March break, and some of them will be coming back home uh, to get ready for the new week that's going to unfold. And since air travel has opened up a lot more, more people are traveling. And I was reading about a pastor who was on an early morning flight. He had to go to a different city, and it was leaving very early in the morning. So he had to get up around 3.30, 4 o'clock to get to the airport. And you know the routine of how you have to go through security. And now there's the COVID testings that are required in some cases, etc., etc. So he was feeling really tired. And as he was boarding the plane, he thought, I would just love to catch a couple of hours of sleep. And so he found his seat in the aircraft. And as he was sitting there, he noticed people coming through. And I don't know about you, but I've had that experience thinking, I wonder who's going to sit next to me. And he was looking down the aisle and he saw this person coming and he's, he decided that he would pray. And this was his prayer. Oh God, don't let them sit beside me. And I don't know about you, but I've prayed a couple of those prayers uh, different times. And much to his chagrin, this woman was making her way down the aisle, carrying a couple of extra bags. And sure enough, she was sitting next to him. So she tosses some of the bags under the seat, gets things thrown up into the luggage compartment on the other side, and sits down and immediately, immediately begins to talk. And she talked non-stop for the next 20 minutes. He was thinking, how am I going to get out of this? I am tired. I don't really want to listen to what she's saying. And then she asked the question that he thought would free him from any more conversation. Now, as a minister, I've been asked this question, and I know it's going to go one of two ways. So she asked him this question. So what do you do? And he said, well, I am a pastor of a congregation. 
Now, sometimes when people hear that, they want to find another seat in which to sit. On the other hand, some of them think they've become your new best friend and they want to confess to you everything they've ever done wrong and raise every theological and philosophical question they've ever had in their, in their head. So he identified himself as a pastor of a church to which she said, Oh, really? I used to be religious. And he said to her, Oh, really? And what are you now? And she said, Well, I don't know. I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. Uh, I don't pray or anything like that. But I am trying to be a really good person. And he said to her, Ma'am, I don't know you very well. We've only been chatting for the past 20 minutes. But it seems to me that you are a good person. But let me ask you this question. How good do you think you would have to be to enter into the presence of God in heaven? Well, the woman replied, I never really thought about that before. So here we are in this Lenten season when people do an examination of their own life. And let me ask you this question. How good do you think a person needs to be in order to please Almighty God? Now in a couple months, we will be into baseball season. And if you think about baseball, how good does a baseball player have to be? Well, they write out their averages. Let's say their average is 300. That means seven out of 10 times they have failed at what they are doing. Or let's take a, a question about how good does a person have to be? Do they have to follow all the 10 commandments? Could they follow four of them or seven? Would that be enough? The question is, how good is good enough? So as we are reading in the scriptures, there's an example of what I would classify as a very good man. So late one night, this man, whose name is Nicodemus, decides to approach Jesus. Now there's been all kinds of speculation about this man. But if you look at the story, he really was a good man. He was called a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees were a religious elite in Judaism. They would follow all the rules of Judaism. They would diligently follow the Ten Commandments. But in addition, they had developed by the time of Jesus over 600 rules and regulations that they were trying to follow. I don't know about you, but I just have a hard time following the Big Ten. And some of those I've messed up on. You'll have to figure out which ones those are. However, these people had, in addition to the Ten Commandments, all these other rules that they were trying to follow. Let me give you a couple of examples. If on the Sabbath, you were going out of the house and you stopped at a mirror, and you looked at the mirror, and you noticed you had a gray hair. If you were to take that gray hair and pull it out, 
it would be considered defaming the Sabbath because that act of pulling out a gray hair was an act of work. Let's say, for example, you had a sore throat. And one of the cures that some people found was using vinegar. Now, on the Sabbath, you could take the vinegar and actually drink it. I don't know why. But if you gargled with the vinegar, it was considered to be an act of work and you were breaking the Sabbath. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, followed all these rules and regulations to the best of his ability. But in addition to that, he was also a member of what was called the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin was a court of law in Judaism made up of 70 men who were the elite of the society. It would be the same as we, what we call the Supreme Court of Canada, who make all the big decisions on the laws of the land. These men, the 70 of them, made decisions on the laws of Judaism. And so when you think about it, Nicodemus is really one of the best of the best. And I think we could say with confidence that from a very human perspective, he was a good man. He really was a good man. Yet, in the back of his mind, he had these thoughts and questions. How good is good enough? How good do I have to be? Now, Nicodemus knew that he wasn't perfect. And because he knew he wasn't perfect, he was somewhat anxious. Would he have been good enough to get into the kingdom of God? And so he comes to Jesus at night to find out. Now, some people have speculated why he came at night. Some said being a man of his position and prestige, he did not want his colleagues knowing that he was associating with this questionable rabbi, Jesus, who was bringing about all kinds of transformations. And even though Nicodemus, when he spoke to Jesus, said, Nicodemus, Jesus, you must be sent from God because look at all the things you are doing. On the other hand, he maybe came at night because he knew he could have a longer conversation with Jesus without being interrupted because so many people were coming and going during the day. I don't think it really matters in the end. The fact is, here is a man with a critical question about his life, and he needs to know an answer. How good is good enough? Now, there are a lot of people like Nicodemus. There's lots of good people around. Maybe you would consider yourself a good person. You treat your kids well. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't steal. You try to be gentle and kind and generous with your time and with your financial resources and helping other people. But how good is good enough? So we need to understand that there is some bad news for good people. Before Nicodemus actually gets to the question, Jesus knows the question that is in the back of his mind because it's a question that's been asked before. In Matthew's Gospel, we are told that there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked him this one question, what do I have to do to obtain or get eternal life? And 
This is a question that many people are struggling with. What do I have to do to have eternal life? The answer of Jesus is that, well, really, it's impossible by your own strength and with your own capabilities to be good enough to be able to maintain a relationship with a holy God. In fact, Jesus said these words, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, the word born again can be translated born again, or born from above, or born spiritually. That is the reality of what that word actually means. And so a relationship with God is one that cannot be gained by being a good person and by being a moral person from our own perspective. Now, Nicodemus did very well. He was, from the perspective of most of us, a very good man. And perhaps his efforts to please God were better than most. But when he asked Jesus this question, am I good enough? Jesus has to say, Nicodemus, the answer is no. And it will never be good enough, no matter how hard you try, because your goodness is simply not good enough. Now, quite frankly, this goes against the grain of what most of us think and believe even in our culture. We think, well, we're trying as best we can. We are trying to be sincere in what we do. And so for some people, they might believe that God is grading on a curve. Now, sometimes when you think back to your education, you might not have known this, but in some schools, they grade on what is called a bell curve. This is a curve, and there's going to be so many Ds, so many Cs, Bs, and As. And so people are graded actually against each other. Uh, so some people might think, perhaps God is going to grade on a bell curve. And there are some people who would, might make an A. Uh, let's think of Mother Teresa. She's been a hardworking, good person. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he went through so much. He'd probably get an A+. Plus. Now, who would we think on the lower scale? Well, maybe Attila the Hun. And some of us might be thinking about Vladimir Putin and what he is doing and the possibility of wiping out a nation. And even today, conversations about chemical warfare are starting to make so many people anxious. So we can think about those folks, but maybe a question we have to ask is this. So where would I be on the bell curve? Where would I fit? Well, I'm probably not a D. I think I'm probably not an A. Maybe I could settle for C. I'll just be average. And a lot of people think, I'm just kind of an average person. I try my best. I'm not perfect. In fact, people use that in language all the time. I mean, I do some things, and what do you expect? I'm not perfect. That's an excuse for what we might have done that we really did not like doing. But if I'm a C, maybe I might be able to inch up to a B minus or even a B plus. To be an A, I'd have to be a really, really good person. 
Here's the problem. God does not grade on the curve. God's standards are absolute. God says that he is a holy God who cannot even look upon sin. And so God never compares us to others. He looks at our life and he looks at the standard that he has set and that becomes the grade. This is revealed to us as we look at scripture and in the life of Jesus. And the consequence for not meeting God's perfect standard is what the Bible calls eternal death or spiritual death, that we are separated from God. So if we ask the question, who measures up? This is what Paul said in Romans 3. Now look at these words very carefully. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who seeks God. There is no one who does good, not even one. So when we look at God's standards, we begin to see that there is a problem that we have of trying to measure up. So to Nicodemus, to you, and to me, and all the good people who consider themselves good, God's statement is this, our goodness is not good enough. So what are we going to do? This could be a terrible place just to end. And so there is good news for people who are not good enough. And this is so wonderful. We need to understand that what we cannot do for ourselves by being good, God can do for us through the transforming grace of Jesus. So Jesus tells this remarkably good man, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born spiritually. And Jesus says to Nicodemus these words, you can't do that, but God can do it for you. He is the one that can transform your life. And so just as we all came into this world through the act of physical birth, we enter into a relationship with God through the act of spiritual birth. God says that I am the one who can transform your life. And the good news for people is simply this, that God so loved the world. And it is God who offers to transform our lives. So just think about it, and I know this is speculation, but at the end of his days, Nicodemus could be lying on his bed in the final stages of a terminal illness. And he could be asking Jesus this question, Jesus, am I okay? Am I good enough to make it out of here and to be with the Father in heaven? And Jesus would have to say to him, Nicodemus, no, you're not okay. But I can make you okay. And I make you this offer. I'll take this disease, which the Bible calls sin, that is destroying you. I can take all the badness of your life, your sins, 
the times of your failure to meet my standards. And I will take it upon myself and I will bear the consequences, which is death. And in return, I give you my absolute goodness and rightness. And when God will look at you, he will see all of my goodness in you. The result is, I will die the death that you deserve, and you will be able to live forever. And that's why as we look at this text in John 3, the most well-known verse in the Bible that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now notice this part, that whoever believes in him will not perish or die, but you will have eternal life. Life that is forever. And that's the offer that's made to each of us because we're suffering from a terminal disease, which is called sin. We can't be healed by our own efforts. We can never be good enough. And Jesus offers to take upon himself all of our sickness so that we can have his life. So how does that happen? It says that all who believe in Jesus. So to believe means more than just intellectual assent. It means that I accept his offer of grace and forgiveness, and I receive it into my life. It's like any kind of gift. If I was to offer you this, let's say this was a beautiful card. It's just a piece of paper. But if I was to offer this to you, it doesn't become yours until you actually come and receive it. It just stays here as a piece of paper. And that's the offer that God makes to each one of us. And the Bible says that when we accept that offer, we become new people. I love these words that Paul wrote, where he declares, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We are people whose goodness comes from a radically transformed life because Christ lives in our life by faith. That's the offer that Jesus makes to good people. Good people like Nicodemus, good people like you, and even to me. It's an offer made to people who realize that their goodness is not good enough. So what will you do with this offer? Would you like to accept this gift that God offers to you? And if you would, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and invite you just to say this prayer yourself. And we will see God's grace at work. So let's pray together. Jesus, sometimes I think I'm a pretty good person. But I also realize that I'm not good enough to ever stand in your presence. I've tried hard. I try to do my best, but it's simply not enough. But Jesus, thank you that you can come and live in my life by faith. And so I ask you, 
will you come and be the center of my life? So I commit as much of myself to as much of you as I understand. And I thank you that you will begin this work of changing me into the person you want me to be from the very moment you first thought of me. And so from here on in, I want to walk with you until one day I stand in your presence and then forever I will see you always. Hear this my prayer, I pray. Amen. And so if you have prayed that prayer and you would like further help, contact the people at the church, Joel, or the other staff, or even myself. You might want to look at getting into an alpha program, which can help you take the next steps, which can be helpful for you, or some of the other small groups in the life of the church that can help you to grow. And as we conclude this day, I invite you to receive this blessing. And now may the Lord, who has begun a good work in your life, may you know that he will continue it until the day of Christ, and he will bring to completion that work of grace. So trust in him always. Be assured of his presence. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forever. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.